Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. I'm looking this morning at the, the, the text of Scripture that tells of the conception of Jesus. Now just be reminded, this is one of those texts, all the Grinches come out over this. They, uh, the, the people who think they're so sophisticated and that this story is so pre-modern and we, we know so much better today, as if in the first century that they didn't know how babies came into the world. I mean, are we really so sophisticated? Are we really so knowledgeable? Are we really so far advanced from them? I don't think so. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the baby born to you will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What is more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month. Nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come about. Then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. Well, the best movie ever made, ever, probably the best movie ever capable of being made, is It's a Wonderful Life. Got to see it if you haven't seen it. I heard the music the other day on NPR, 
And I, I choked up just listening to the music. It's such a great movie. Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed and, and uh, I forget who played Clarence, but it, it just, um, it's a great movie. You have to see it. But one of the good movies is The Grinch Has Stole Christmas, the Dr. Seuss classic. And um, coming off of that, now that was made back in the 60s. So when I was a kid, we would watch that every Christmas along with It's a Wonderful Life. And um, it's a story of, of course, the, the Grinch who does everything possible to remove Christmas from the public sphere, to, to take Christmas away from all those little children. And, um, and I, I think about the fact that at Christmas time, out come the Grinches every single year. They, they, they want to tell us, you can't say Merry Christmas. They want to tell, you, tell us that we can't do stuff like manger scenes in public spaces. They want to keep all of that apart from and, and just grouchy people. And, and it's especially bad when we have supposed biblical theologians entering into that side of the argument. Up in North Carolina, there's a professor of New Testament at the University of North Carolina named Bart Ehrman. Ehrman was an, a, um, grew up in a very strict Christian home and, and, um, and he, he rebelled. He rebelled against his his uh, fundamentalist Christianity. And my problem with most fundamentalists is that they're not fundamental enough. They don't go deep enough. And so Bart Ehrman basically rebelled and, and he, he writes this, and he writes it in the uh, North Carolina, I think it's Raleigh or someplace like that, uh, 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 newspaper. The stories that have shaped the Christian movement are fraught with inconsistency. This is a professor of, you guys drive me nuts. Even the Gospels themselves do not match up. Matthew's story of Christ's birth cannot be reconciled with Luke's. In Matthew and Luke's Gospel, there are competing genealogies that trace Jesus' family tree back to different people. In Matthew, the Magi were the ones who first heard about the new king of the Jews. In Luke, it was the shepherds. In Matthew, Joseph is the one who gets visited by an angel. In Luke, it's Mary. The church has staked its claim of understanding the Christian faith as true on events like the virgin birth and the resurrection. These are pre-modern constructions which could not possibly be true. Oh, really? Could not possibly be true. A, few, a couple weeks ago, well, actually just a week ago, um, in the Wall Street Journal was an article by a woman named Erica Commissar writing about matters of faith. And this is what she has to say about faith. Nihilism is fertilizer for anxiety and depression and being, and quote, being, being realistic is overrated. The belief in God in a protective and guiding figure to rely on when times are tough is one of the best kinds of support, especially for kids in increasingly pessimistic world. That's only one reason for a purely mental health, from a purely mental health perspective, to pass down a faith tradition. 
I often am asked by parents, how do I talk to my child about death if I don't believe in God or heaven? My answer is always the same. Lie. The idea that you simply die and turn to dust may work for some adults, but it doesn't help children. Belief in heaven helps them grapple with this tremendous and incomprehensible loss. Imagination plays a big role in our ability to cope. So a, a Jewish psychologist writing to the Wall Street Journal says that reality in our modern terms and in our definitions and that reality which is a reality that is really imposed on us in a postmodern post-enlightenment world gives rise to depression it robs us of hope it robs of us ultimately of a sense of our own humanity if all this is is that we suddenly awaken as kids we live this life we want to keep living and then when it's over it's over there's nothing beyond if that's realistic according to such as Bart Ehrman well I don't think it is I don't believe it is such a perspective also robs life of an inherent mystery and wonder why is it that there is so much about this life that we experience that we, we simply cannot grasp or understand or wrap our minds around? Why is it that, that things happen outside of our, our narrow perspective and our narrow experience that, that we can't understand? Especially the the birth of faith, the awakening of real faith. Not the stuff of just going to church and saying all the words and going through all the motions, but the awakening of faith, that, that burning coal within the soul that says, this is real, this is, this is the deal, this is amazing. In the first century, there were many who were working to try to figure out the prophecy of Daniel. In the 8th and ninth chapters of Daniel, there's this rather obscure prophecy about a number of weeks of years and all of that sort of thing. We have these first century types who are trying to figure out when is the anointed one going to come as is promised in the book of Daniel? When is the Christ coming? When is the Messiah going to, be arrive, going to arrive? Because as they did their math, they could figure back and it was right about that time that it was all supposed to come together. And the one who spoke of that in Daniel was Gabriel. This angel who shows up to Mary. So the only reference to, to Gabriel is in Daniel and now in Luke, this shepherd. And the people of God were not expecting any of what happened. But a quiet moment of a young girl and given the first century realities of 
when people got married or when they got engaged, she was probably between 14 and 16 years old. Ashlyn, how old are you? 14. 14. Ashlyn, come here. Mary could be this old. Mary could have been just like this. Maybe not as pretty, but just like this. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. But to know the reality of how things were then, and just to a young girl, uh, the angel arrives. The angel comes. And if she, of course, says, how can this be? You know, it's a, it must have been embarrassing. I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin. And then Gabriel said that the Holy Spirit would descend upon the vacuum of her womb, the emptiness of her womb, even as the Holy Spirit descended upon the face of the deep in an act of creation where God created the the heavens and the earth, by sending the Spirit to hover over the face of the deep, likewise the Holy Spirit would come and hover over the face of her deep, the vacuum that was her womb. And the one to be born will be the anointed one. The one to come will be this, this one. And so, the angel leaves after she said, whatever, okay, let it be to me according to your word. And before too long, she begins to feel what women feel when they're in that condition. It's a glorious, wonderful process. That, that that child implanted, and that child implanted is able to, a little tiny, little tiny baby is able to change everything about the woman. <laughs> her hormones, her uh, everything, everything gets changed. And knowing what she knows, she gets out of Dodge. She goes down to see her her uh, relative Elizabeth. And yes, she's pregnant with John. And when Mary shows up and Elizabeth sees her, John within her womb, bam, kicks her. Leaps for joy within the womb, knowing that this, this woman, this young woman, Mary, is bearing the good news to the world. And so, this is beyond what we can explain. It's beyond that which, which our normal experience can, can identify with any kind of rational sense of what actually happened. And to try to figure this out physically is a fool's errand. Instead, we we're called upon to simply descend back and see it. 
and to allow our hearts to be filled with wonder. Wonder. How can this be? How can it be that that the Lord has done such a thing as this? So that we have a sense that God is not just way out there somewhere and every now and then breaking into human existence, that he is with us. And every now and then, God with us does something that is out of the ordinary. God with us is going to do things that are not predictable. And as you survey your own heart and your own life, certainly you can identify something somewhere along the way where the the chain of cause and effect was broken into. God did something new. And God did something that you didn't anticipate. And so our lives have experience of wonder and of, of joy, of joy that doesn't add up. Our lives are evidence of, of the reality that we have been created by God, not just to live this life and then to be turned to dust, but our our lives have been transformed by God that we may live this life with a purpose and with an end that that he has in mind. And so we, we can live this life in anticipation and we can have, we can have joy. We can have joy at the, at the prospect that, that at any time our Lord can can make his way known. Our Lord can do some things that are not expected, unanticipated. And when he does, we can can rejoice at at the faith that, that he has given to us and the ability that he has given to us to recognize something very dramatic and new has occurred. Christmas time is this time when we can relish those moments where we don't understand. And what a cold world it becomes if we think that we have to explain everything, that everything has to make sense. Who says that two plus two must always equal four? What if God wants to make it equal 833. What if there's a a breach in human existence and in, in the life that we all live where God descends upon our own hearts, on the emptiness of our own hearts and does something new within us and gives us a, a deep and profound sense of his presence and his work within our lives. Who says that we cannot be made new? Who says, as Zechariah protested when the angel came to him and told him that his wife was going to be pregnant, and he said, but she's old. He wouldn't dare say that to her. (laughs) But that was his protest because we think we know the chain of events. We think we know cause and effect. But who says God can't make you new, me new, 
that God can't make all things new. That's the story of Christmas. Because he comes and creates something new. Come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel.
Will you bow with me in prayer? And Lord, descend upon our hearts. You know that the vacuum within our hearts might be a vacuum created by fear, or anxiety, or depression, or blindness to what it is that we must do next. Descend upon our hearts, O oh Lord, and give fresh new birth to your Son within us, so that we might know that this life is full of meaning and joy, far beyond that which we could ever ask or think. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.